everyone, my name is Stephanie Ridgeway and this is uh, Talking BTE episode number 31. And uh, this evening we have a small gathering uh, here in Sydney face to face and we have a couple of uh, uh, educators and colleagues and um, esteemed uh, networked uh, educators or learners uh, online. So we'll go with the face to face audience initially uh, around the table to my left. Alex Hayes, good evening. Hi everyone, Robin J. Michael Cogden here. Hi folks. <laughs> and to our online audience. Carrie J calling in from Adelaide. And Julie Colorado from Redford. Fabulous. Just across the way from us. And you're on your iPad, I gather, Julie. Yes, I am. Mm. And a while I turned off the three G and went on to my um Optus wireless. You're certainly sounding pretty good. So around the face-to-face table here, we have uh, Alex on his his MacBook Pro and Robin's on her uh, iPad and uh, Michael's chosen to go naked. (laughs) (laughs) Michael's on his red wine. Michael's on his red wine. So, look... uh, this evening, uh, I guess in part, it's a gathering of uh, people here face to face. There's a number of things that have been converging, including uh, the Moodle Moodle Moot uh, 11 here in Sydney, which uh, Michael's been attending, and Alex has of course been over to uh, a little Talo meet up in Melbourne, and he's also been to a um, Ibsor. Uh, a conference event, or, so he will talk about that. And of course, we've got lots of other interesting developments that have occurred in the last couple of weeks, so Google Plus and etc. And Michael might uh, talk a little about his paper that he's been presenting too, about um, thinking deeply about the shallows. So maybe maybe we can just um, go around initially and just uh, talk off the top of our heads about what's where we're at, what's captured us, what's uh, significant in the last. Could do. Mm. Slight begin, seeing Moodle was kind of imminent, imminent mm. as in today and yesterday. Yeah. I mean, Kerry and Julie, um, Stefan or Alex asked me a little while ago if anything stood out from the Moodle conference that I've been to for the last two days, and I kind of went blank. So nothing leapt at me, but I've actually gone back and checked my notes, and there is something that is worth reporting, and that's Blackboard. a couple of things. Um, <laughs> a vast number of the people at this conference are Moodlers for the first time, or they're, they're new to a Moodle conference, so NetSpot were really pleased to see that. So there's a whole breed of new enthusiastic people using Moodle, and... Sorry? Young educators. Young educators, and a, a good spread of all sectors. I mean, I think there's a good balance between yeah, the three main sectors plus private RTOs, so it's not been dominated by one sector, which is good. But I, um, maybe the most significant thing in terms of the content and in terms of Moodle, and this is actually kind of interesting, and even people who might be anti-LMSs might think, well, this is actually a good idea. That, and it's creating huge ripples within the Moodle community you have been used to using earlier versions of Moodle. There's no such thing as course files in Moodle. There was a big session about this yesterday called, neatly, An Inconvenient Truth, so 
you can upload files into Moodle as attached to an activity. For example, if you, if you set up a forum, you can attach an image to it, and whatever activity or resource you're dumping into Moodle, you can actually create a file, upload it, and it goes into Moodle somewhere, but there's nowhere in a Moodle course in Moodle 2.3, Alex says we're up to, or they are up to, where you can actually go into a course files area. And this has been a deliberate decision by Moodle so that they don't use it, people don't use it as a dumping ground and they want you to use either a CMS, a course management system, or the cloud somewhere. Okay. So I think that's probably the biggest single kind of point of interest that I've learned out of the last couple of days. I mean, so what do we think about that? Is that a good move? I mean, in terms of Moodle users who are used to the old system, it's going to take some angst yes. and some anxious moments where they, you know, they want to go in and edit a file and they, they'll be inst instinctively they'll go, well, you know, where is that file in Moodle? Well, I think it cuts it. at the heart of a lot of people who use Moodle, and that is that they see their courses a little silo. Mm. Yeah. Uh, and so to have content that might possibly be shared outside that silo might disturb some people. Yeah, and obviously it can be outside the silo and still not be shared, but the idea is that it's elsewhere. But it's across all courses. Yeah. I think there's been a lot of um, homemade hacking um, that has happened in the past, you know, people doing little HTML hacks to make their courses look um, better aesthetically, um, that, uh, that um, people are going to have to get used to the fact that they, they can't link um, directly to image files, for instance, and just use the same URL repeatedly because the URL is dynamic because it's linked to um, the actual activity within a course as well. So you can't just copy the URL of an image, say, and reuse it. So um, so that's going to pose some challenges in that. I'm, I've been playing around with Moodle 2 um, uh, since it, you know, since January or so, and um, overall, I think um, file management. Um, I think in the past, uh, yeah, has been pretty, um, pretty scattered, and this is going to help people manage files better. Um, I, but as long as there's a repository attached, because just using Moodle. Um, you know, and uploading files that way, I find files, are, it, they just seem to disappear into the nether, uh, you know, unless you're actually um, taking time and thinking about how you're going to manage them. And right now, um, the organization I'm working with, I've jumped across from being a supplier to being a client, and um, they're very keen to make um, things work with SharePoint. And right now there's nothing um, that is making SharePoint work with uh, as a Moodle repository, but hopefully that will change in the next few months. So, Kerry, are you suggesting that um, you can put text into Moodle, but you can't put images into Moodle unless they're part of an activity? Um, when you when you go to upload, uh, you can't do bulk uploads of stuff anymore and just use it willy nilly. You, it has to be linked to an activity. Is my understanding of how um, the file system works? So, you're you're creating a label, for instance, and you want to insert an image. Yeah. You upload an image via the file picker system. Yeah. Um, and um, the path of that image is not permanent. 
is relative to the activity. So the next time you want to insert mm. that image somewhere, instead of copying the URL as you would have done, you know, um, previously, you go back into the file picker and use it again. Uh, I only use images out of anyway, so. So that's interesting. So the uh, the uh, content in the library really is functional to the activity yes. that it's used in. Yeah. Right. So you can't go in as Kerry says they appear to dis- disappear into the ether somewhere when they're in there, mm. but you can't go to a central place and see them all. Mm. And it was been really interesting, Kerry, listening to the number of people who kind of fessed up that they. I've never done this. They do kind of assemble all these files, put them all in Moodle in case they might use them one day. I've only ever put files in there that I used and kind of created, you know, for like, at the time. So anyway, that was interesting. People do use it as a dump. As a repository. Yeah. Well, one thing they've gotten wrong that um, I know that they're fixing right now is um, how they link to external repositories. One of the repositories they link to is Flickr, and it's not doing a good job at all of carrying across the Creative Commons light attribution um, information that's necessary to satisfy um, the requirements of Creative Commons licensing. Um, I created a job a few months ago um, on the advice of Tomas Lazik. Um, because this is a real concern to me. I love Creative Commons. I'm very passionate about it, and I think um, not making it easy um, to do the attributions properly is a real weakness in this file picker. Mm. Well, I haven't played enough to notice that, Kerry, but I agree with you. I mean, that has to be sorted. Well, Alex has found the topic of Moodle so engaging he's walked off and made a phone call. No, I think you received a phone call. Did you receive it? All yeah. right. Um, look, one thing I'd like to take up about the Moodle Moodle moot is that just they had 500 attendees, which I, I think is amazing. I think it's closer to 600. 600. Well, that, that's that's really quite astonishing. Uh, and you say there were a lot of young young educators there, right across the the sectors, right. um, schools, vet, uh, higher ed. Do you really get a feeling there's a buzz there amongst that milieu? Yeah, mm. and I mean, I've been saying that for the first time in a long time, it feels like part of the conference experience is community. Mm. I mean, the theme of this conference is community canvas. I didn't quite get the canvas bit, but community is certainly being pushed. And there is a nice feeling of connection and support. Mm. And dare I say it again, yeah, community. And it has, did feel a little bit like... I used to go to WebCT conferences and feel the same thing because people okay. used to come from all over the nation and all over the world to some extent, and, yeah, we all had this thing in common. So, yeah. Okay. And but there's very few um, features in Moodle 2.1. Um, the community hub, which we're really looking forward to exploring, where people can share a lot more of their learning activities, their resources, etc. And that master course idea where teams come together and create a master course and then they can clone it and go and customise, but come back and share them, the good things they've developed as they've been delivering and the changes they've made. I think that's a real plus in Moodle 2.1. Hmm. I did get, I mean, I, I only engaged with the conference on the Twitter back channel, but I, I did get a feeling there was some people, you know, trying to 
Oh, intersect with um, no um, wider web two. Um, you know, that's been very noticeable. Mm. Yeah. I mean, there's been an extremely good and reliable wireless connection, but I think mm. I said yesterday there was a, probably people, a hundred people in this session where a guy set up a course on the fly in front of people, invited people to join, and it, within 10 minutes he had at least 50 people in the audience in the course. Mm. So they were connected and online and, and with him. And that's a very high hit rate of connected people in a conference audience. Absolutely, yeah. Are they are they making are they connecting outside the conference though? Are any of the sessions streaming or live or available on the net? Come on, Carrie. Well, I actually offered to to uh, assist in podcasting, and I, I didn't hear anything back. I guess the answer is no. There are a couple of uh, presentations coming in, but no, to my knowledge, nothing going out. Well, I mean, my, it's it's nice that people get together and and, and socialise, but but why is there a buzz around me? Anyone else want to have a answer that question? Why is there a buzz around Moodle? I think it's a gateway drug. The gateway drug. That's excellent. I like that. The gateway to what? The psychedelia of social (laughs) media. The gateway to the wall garden. For some people um, who are just getting into e-learning and learning about it, it's got a variety of tools they can experiment with. Um, they can try new things, and um, I, I think there's well, there's a, a lot of negatives that can come out of wall gardens. I think there's a lot of positives that can happen as well in there. So I, I think it gives some people their, their first taste, their first chance, um, and then they can um, springboard from there or not. Well, as they say, those who build castles must always expect rebellions. That's it. <laughs> rebellions. rebellions. <laughs> yeah. I agree, Kerry. For a lot of people, it's a very safe starting place. It's an easy tool to use that teachers pick up easily, even if they don't use it very um, in a very student-centred way in the beginning, they do pick up as they move through. And I I think... I agree with you, Julie. I, I, in all the workshops I do, people say Moodle is just too hard. We'd much rather work in weak spaces or something like that. Yeah, there is that, that element too. I think you're right. There, for a lot of people who don't have significant digital literacy skills, it probably is a little too difficult. Moodle? You're saying Moodle, Robert? Yes, that's that's the message I get from teachers is is that it's just it's just too hard to do what they want to do and, and they get much better student engagement and and give their students a lot more control in in other very easy to use tools. I mean you know, when it comes down to it, what can students actually do in Moodle? They can use the forum, they can use a clunky, awful wiki. What else can they do? Uh, they can can contribute to to content. They They can contribute to the database and glossary. You can give you can um, give them permissions on other tools as well, if you want them to be able to contribute. The permissions are quite granular now, so you can allow them to um, contribute to pretty much anything, uh, any activity that you have in Moodle. Well, it's an editing student category. An editing student category. Contribute to the content per activity. 
Well, you can just you can make them editing teachers too. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. God. How many organisations are going to give the students editing? But that's not Moodle's teacher, fault. Teacher, right. That's the teacher's that's just, fault. That's, that's the organisation's choice, isn't it? Yeah. And I think it depends on the age group as well. We certainly don't stop that, Robin. Mm. It's up to the teacher how they organise their delivery. Organisations where tutors haven't been given teachers' roles. Well, hopefully we'll never get that way. Mm. And we we're finding that the that wiki spaces is becoming much less popular, and that uh, and we're really it's not. That we're plugging Moodle so much, it's just that people are, are asking for Moodle. And I think our templating and our Moodle at Swizzy certainly helps where we try to use the features of Moodle to their best um, ability. And Moodle 2.1 is exciting in lots of ways. A WYSIWYG editor you can do a, a whole lot more with. Um, and integrating it with things like a single sign-on with Adobe Connect and Mahara, it enriches. It would be good if we could do it with wiki spaces, but that's not possible at this stage. Um, probably never will be. But certainly adding web conferencing and um, Mahara adds another dimension. Okay, well, what about this argument? Uh, Moodle is in an era that's about sitting at your PC and doing your e-learning, that really Moodle hasn't effectively transitioned to the mobile era. Certainly in our focus groups with students recently, we did get a sense that a lot of them said, we don't want to learn a system that we're not going to use anywhere else. We would prefer to use platforms that we can access anywhere, anytime, that we use anyway. Uh, we don't want to learn some wacky thing that you've got uh, in your institution. Um, on the other side of that, we did get students who expressed concerns about the openness of social networking tools, Facebook, um, etc. But I think there is an argument that you could say uh, that Moodle does have one foot in that old idea of using the browser on a PC. Now, I don't know what well, do you think about that? Moodle 2.1, I'm trialing a mobile theme right now for Moodle 2.1 that looks like a, um, a little mobile app. It works on my iPhone. Moodle 2.1, you can have several different themes. So you can have one theme for web users. You can have another one for smartphone users. It works on Android, um, Apple. Um, you can have another one, uh, type of theme for tablets. And you can have just your generic um, white theme for um, the people who are still stuck on IE6 back in the dark ages. Oh, God. So, the, I, I mean, there, yes. there are... Um, there, there, are, there is the, the little Moodle theme, um, mobile theme um, is pretty sexy. I'm still playing around with it, some starving uni students developing it. <laughs> but it, 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 looks, it looks a bit of all right. Now, Moodle's never going to be as sexy as some other things, but I think it depends on your market too, Stefan. I mean, like I'm... Uh, our organization, um, we're just, they're just launching into e-learning and they work with a lot of adult learners in um, NGOs and government and um, health and human services. So um, I think, you know, obviously we've got a different target market than people who are working with, you know, teens and, and people in their early 20s who want something different. Mm. Good point. <clears throat> 
but I still think it's important to consider um, mobility. And the uptake, in the, <laughs> the uptake in the school system in New South Wales has really cemented Moodle as a learning management system and not SharePoint for TAFE New South Wales. Well, indeed. SharePoint's not a learning tool, it's a management tool anyway. Same as. Well, it's an intranet tool, corporate well, intranet tool. Uh, uh, just a question, Michael, because you were there present and everyone is there present virtually in a sense, but is there any mention of, of, of emergent LMSs that are coming out, like Canvas LMS or for, by in, Instructor or...? At a Moodle Moon, I don't think so, Alex. Oh, no, Blackboard were there. Michael's got a uh, Blackboard um, toy. Well, that sounds a bit ominous, but um, it's, a, it's a blackboard, um, what do you call it, conference gimmicky thing. Speakers to Speakers. plug into your USB with a late memory that lock you into a license. That comes right. down <laughs> <laughs> I find it bizarre that Blackboard had a stand. Well, it's actually, it's the stand says Blackboard, and the materials being given out say Blackboard, but the shirt worn by the people at the stand actually says Yellow Edge. Oh. Ah, so it's Troy Plepp. Troy's not there, but Troy's colleagues are there. Well, that's Troy's Adobe. Ah. Oh, no, that's, a, that's the old Illuminate. Yeah, that's old Illuminate, yeah. now Blackboard collaborates. Ah. And they're showing people what the yeah. Blackboard collaborate looks like. Wimber, Wimber, Wimber Illuminate, Blackboard collaborate. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now swallowed up by a private equity group. <laughs> But apart from that, Alex, no, no mention of any other LMS. There was one organisation, apparently one TAFE in New South Wales is using Sakai. Oh, oh do we know that one, don't we? Yes, we do. Well, it's still ticking around, kicking around. But um, in answer to Alex's question, no, 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 it's a little bit. Yeah. That's true, but as, as we know, Moodle is starting to devolve and it's becoming holy. It's becoming holy. It's allowing a lot more in, it's allowing a lot more out. You know, it's, it's, yeah. it's not a, it's a, if you think, if you remove the, the LMS structure and think about identity, Moodle is actually a very powerful platform to land an individual in to aggregate them to other services like as I was showing the other day the Moodle the Moodle Google Gahoodle integration yep you know it's a it's a very good way to you know an RTO says we want a learning management system and we say fine here we are and here is Google Docs integrated into this single sign-on here's Alfresco now integrated into its single sign-on and here are all these other services that are single sign-on. It's a, it's a pathway rather than just a series of siloed structures. But you can use Moodle. You can use Moodle both as a structured learning concourse, or you can use it as a mechanism to land people as a site. One thing I'm afraid of is that um, people will start thinking of Moodle as e-learning and not explore beyond it. I don't want Moodle, I hate to see Moodle become the Kleenex of e-learning, you know, and, you know, do you do e-learning? Yes, we have Moodle. Well, okay. <laughs> but what else do you do? I think it's because it's, 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 it's tool, it's not, there's not a central focus on learning. Like you said before, Kerry, it's people who are starting out and need a bit of a, you know, walled garden, protective space. They start there, but most good Moodle teachers 
use Moodle as a place to jump out. You jump out to reading yeah. spaces, you jump out to your virtual classroom, you jump out to your blog, to your wiki, to countless other things. Moodle's just a home base with the links going off to the stuff that really matters. So, Michael, I, I yeah. suspect that 1% of Moodle users do that. 99% put up some PDF files and, I'll, and create a quiz. Okay, so here's another question that's related to that. If you think of it, I know it's one to react to, but were there any student management system proprietal uh, providers there at Moodle Move? Because they are the ones that are making the money. It's not Moodle per se, or the suppliers of Moodle, or the hosts of Moodle that are making money. The people like WiseNet and Ish and people like that who are looking at event miscompliance and, and similar that hook into the statistical database of Moodle and draw down that information and sell it back to the RTO and sell it to Eventness. They're the key money makers. Were there anybody there present like that? There's a stool there that I don't know what they do. T-O-T-A-R-A, Tatara, or T-A-T-A-R-A. But I don't know, but there was a session late this afternoon where there were a a lot of questions around that, about wanting to know, can Moodle do it? Or what do you need to get kind of that data back to your systems in a way that you want it? Tara is an LMS that's built on Moodle for, for enterprise. So it's an LMS. There we go. Tara, they're an enterprise Moodle engine, but behind the engine is a SNS, a student management system protocol. With them. With Tara, so they're, yeah. they're the ones who are obviously... They've so got they're, the they're, they, they front the web and they front the clients and enterprise with the Moodle framework of the learning management system. But in the background, very cleverly, they've got seeded in. If you want access to this, the, the, the electronic and database-driven statistics which make up eventness compliance in terms of participation and all the rest of it, now pays the money. I think they'll do very well. So, so there's, as you know, there's WiseNet and there's ISH and there's a whole range. There's a number of them. And there's a vet track. I'm surprised that these guys aren't there. There's only one there. Tatara's there. So I'm interested to know why the others aren't there. Yeah, I'm surprised WiseNet isn't. And so I'm very surprised that Wisenet's not there. Yeah. All right. Well, perhaps we uh, we've we've done Moodle Moot. Uh, we we've done it. Oh, we've done it. <laughs> Unless anyone's got anything else to add, add to it. Uh, but uh, we should move on. Um, we've got Taylor next. Uh, in the meet up in Melbourne, Alex. Do you want to give us a bit of a, a bit of a pricey of that? Sure. Uh, as you know, in 2006, there was um, instigation by Lee to Lee Blackwell to bring together people around this concept of network learning. Uh, it's kind of gone full circle over five years, and and um, there was an invitation, you know, loose sense for people to uh, come to Melbourne, which obviously conflicted with Moodle. Little moot, but to to revisit the conversation around network learning, learning design, and um, um, research-based design, and uh, I went down there with two two focuses: one to see my daughter, and one to see and talk with um, Tamu 
uh, Leon from from um, Alto University in Switzerland. Sorry, mm-hmm. in Finland, Finland. And uh, he is my co-supervisor in the PhD program. And Lee, who drove down shaggily with um, chains that had fallen off his vehicle because he'd come from the snow and so on. And then uh, uh, and we had a number of conversations with a range of people online. But the it's very interesting how it's gone from an aggregated, connected network discussion to a very, very, you know... Are you on? How come you're not sharing your Google Latitude with me? I'm, I'm running late. You know, I've got other things to do. So, in some ways, it was very disappointing in terms of the connectivity. I would have liked to have noted out from that environment and connected with other people, which I didn't have the opportunity to do. Um, but it's interesting where the tailor, the conversation still exists and lives, and and. FLNW, Future of Learning in the Networked World, that whole uh, concept could well be very bleak. You know, you could say that um, trying to organise events and trying to find funding and find initiative, it's very much about the individual's contribution and enthusiasm to run it, to actually drive it. And so, uh, left to its own devices, we become individuals. And the network is in groups. <laughs> that's what happens. Small groups. Or in emerge. circles. Or in small circles, that's right, yeah. <laughs> it was freezing cold, wet and um, and interesting, but not I don't think it, I don't think it's been inclusive enough. This is one aspect of it I suppose that we're talking about it. You pitted yourself against the LMS and you lost. <laughs> well <laughs> yeah, it's about people's interest and their availability and so on as well. I think we've just in five years that we've gone full circle. I think we started very much as individuals coming into conversations. So what are you saying you're back to two thousand and five? Well, in some respects, you know, I, I think that we've returned to states where we're operating again in individuals individual connected to a network in a loose way. We're loosely joined. We're not as we're not as cogent as what we've done in the past. Uh, so the Taylor meet was very unlike any but other. Hasn't that, I've ever but wasn't been that to. always the motive or the uh, ideology? Not ideology, but uh, the metaphor for Web two was bricolage. That that classic. Um, uh, Term, I think that uh, was it John Paul Sartre who coined it in bricolage. Uh, many things loosely joined yeah, together. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes, very much so. Very much so. Look, I don't. I, I think disappointments just because I enjoy company in people when we're talking avidly and in depth and conceptually and not around business and so on. When we can get to points of of uh, you know critical inquiry that that is positively constructed around education, then I feel really enthused. And I don't feel that we've, we got to those points, you know, where it has in the past. We recounted the, the mad taxi driver climbing in the window of, of um, the guy's car in New Zealand who then started to hit on Lee at the backpackers unit, then suddenly evolved into a very serious... Uh, New Zealand Maori man talking about his culture and so on, and they're the sort of moments that you miss because that's what happened in FLNW one. It was a there was some really strong moments. 
And I don't feel that we reached any of those in that, just in those last couple of days. It was interesting, but... No, it's, it's great. Without wishing to be a pedant, it was actually clear, um, Levi Strauss that oh, okay. the term bricolage and French. It's, French it's a reference that yeah, in the that's podcast. True. Yeah, well. <laughs> right, so you had a, a pleasant day kind of talking among friends, colleagues, but no earth shattering revelations or life changing conversations. Than, other than Lee said that Google Plus has failed as before it began. That was one key epiphanal moment. Another one that said. Another very, very strong moment was when my 13-year-old daughter said, do you mind if we change the conversation, please, because you're excluding me from the conversation and all you've talked about for the last 40 minutes is about the internet. And then we asked her why and we changed the conversation and brought her into the conversation and, and she said, I'm feeling left out because my friends, a lot of my friends, spend more time disconnected in conversations than they do connected if they have a conversation, they're connected by a screen, the screen's in front of them, they're not present to the person that's sitting right next to them. They're connected elsewhere. So yeah. she doesn't like that. She doesn't like it at all. And a lot of a lot of other people that she's talked to are starting to move to that conclusion too. But they're starting to say, put your phone away if you want to be around me. Okay. And that's that was an interesting, an interesting observation, mm. I felt. Yeah. And this was in the context of a quiet moment with some you know, senior people there, as well as another young woman who was about to enrol in the first year degree within law at University of Victoria, and she said, I feel the same. A lot of my friends I don't... I agree. I have found that um, my tolerance for allowing people, when I'm with them, to, to text away all during a, a dinner or a conversation or drinks or a get-together, I, I find it's wearing pretty thin for me. I think, okay, check into Foursquare, take your photos, send your tweet, and then be in the moment. That's, that's good. That's a good way of putting it. We need to, we need to, that's a classic quote, you know, um, place yourself in Foursquare, tweet your tweet, get your thing out the way. Then can you please join the conversation? Yeah. I, I saw someone showed an image as part of a presentation at a conference recently, and they just put the image up on screen and said, what's wrong with this picture? And you know, it took 10, 20 seconds for it to dawn. At first glimpse, it's a picture of a young couple in love kissing. And then you notice that, the girl of the couple has her right hand extended out at an angle from their kissing head and she's holding a phone. She's oh. taking a photograph <laughs> of them kissing. And so this is, you know, that's the point. That's, that's like, that's point. you've lost the plot. You're not in the moment. You are too busy recording the moment to experience the moment. It's almost like um, reality shows, that reality shows are never real because the camera's there. So when you get to the point where your own life is not, not real anymore because there's always a camera there, you're thinking about the next blog post or the next tweet, then I think it's time to put the back away from the iPhone and um, <laughs> live a little. Turn the cameras off. Yes. But we've all been guilty of some of this. That's it. <laughs> of course. We all are. We're very guilty of it. That's a, a small segue into the Ipsor discussion in such a way because I attended, I attended an event as part of my three-minute thesis 
presentation, uh, IBSOR is an institute around uh, innovation and uh, it's primarily run by the, the commerce and tourism units within the University of Wollongong. They are, they are the, the founding supporting faculties, but that also includes the Faculty of Informatics. And in that event, which was held at the Shoalhaven Heads Resort, we were instructed when we first arrived that under no circumstance were we to answer phones and under no circumstance were we permitted to open laptops, iPads or any other device in, in the context of the full two-day two day no, event. I think that's just wrong. I'd leave. I'd leave. So, so would I, I know what to do. So I, I had... I had large moments of anxiety. Every two and a half hours, I felt... So this is not a Buddhist retreat. Get away with it. <laughs> it wasn't a Yeah, retreat. I agree. No, it was, it was a retreat around conversation. It was very confrontational. I don't think I've ever experienced anything quite like it except Landmark Forum. With, uh, oh. With, um, we know, the actual... Uh, the, the you know the seven years that I was involved with Landmark, which was quite instrumental in my life in certain ways, in that the Landmark three-day forum is about positioning you so that you are 14 hours in conversation on mass where you have a lack of technology. It's a very similar sort of principle. But in that environment with Ipsor, it was that you have three minutes, you have one slide, you stand up, you present your question, you present your case, and then you answer to questions related to your uh, research as to where you want to head to. And there are three-minute thesis points for newbies like me, and there are one-hour presentations for people who are in the first year and second year, and they slam the first and second years like you wouldn't believe until people are crying, like I remember in my arts... Um, what? Arts events. Yeah, but that's what other people have said too, that what? Surely they don't still do this. But they did. They did. Slam you how? Just as an example, a woman, stood, a woman stood up and said, I'm studying how locations become fashionable. And Hugh McKay was there. We've had some, you know, he's a social researcher, very respected social researcher, and also John... His name escapes me, his second name. And he is a quant, he calls himself a quant jock. So he is fully, fully. A positivist. Well, yes, and very data driven. And the other guy is very much about sitting to the side and listening and becoming part of the qualitative um, element. And this young woman got up, and 20 minutes into her presentation, John just said, Stop right there. He said, um, if you're going to be any more condescending and read your PowerPoint to me any further, um, I want you to leave this environment in, entirely. The, the second point is that all you've done is a high school project and I don't feel that you've actually invested or believe or are invested in your research. And that must have been incredibly con confrontational for a person that's a year and a half into their PhD and after a period of time it was incredibly verbally verbose, loud, and not aggressive, just very, very direct about... What was that? I have to interrupt everyone and say goodnight. Oh, you're off. Yes, yeah, sorry. No, no, that's Lovely fine. having a chat. I need to go. Lovely having a chat. And um, 
I look forward to more debates about LMSs in the future. <laughs> Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Thanks, Julie. Bye. Bye. So, Google Plus, why, um, yeah. why, why did our mutual friend Lee um, express the opinion that Google Plus is doomed before it's even out of the gates? Well, we better be careful because Stefan might omit this from the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Buy that lead back on. Licensed to be able to <laughs> attack our mates. No, I just I think I think as as I kind of agree in certain ways with what he was the premise he was making was that he doesn't feel that it was re- and I still don't feel it was released with enough integration with the other services that Google has. Because Google always, for me, I open, I click on Docs, and it opens a new tab. And I click on this, and it opens a new tab. I don't want to open a new tab. I want it all to be part of the one bloody grid. I want it to be all part of one service. Isn't that what the black bar does? Uh, no. It still opens up other components that, that are not. You keep, it keeps popping up and popping up and popping more and more Mm-hmm. It's not new windows, it's new tabs. But at the end of it, it just propagates. Your whole screen is Google. <laughs> but isn't that that's the idea, is that you were saying you're criticising on the one hand for not integrating, but on one hand you're saying it's, it's, it's all Google. Of course, it's integrating everything Google. No, but it's, 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 it just takes over my whole screen. I don't want it to take over everything. I just want it to be one tab. Well, that's possible. Well, I like the fact that it... Opens up a new tab, and today I just remember when I went looking for Google Plus, I just went to that you know more and clicked the more, yeah. and there yeah. it is. Plus is linked. Yeah. So I think it is fairly well integrated. The plus component is, but it's still not integrated. You can't you can't say something in in Google Plus and send it to Twitter. You can. Haven't you got you the? Uh, you to no, if you use Chrome, you can have. Um, you can. Oh, all the add-ins. You, no, no, no. If, you, if you've got the Chrome extension, you uh, you just simply have Facebook and Twitter straight up there, right in the bar. It's a drop down from Share. That's right. It's a drop down from Share. What? What's Firefox? Did you say? Look, are you using Firefox itself? No, it's a Chrome. It's a Chrome, oh, it's a Chrome extension. Oh. Yes. I'm still on Safari for some reason. Well, so that's why Lee said it was going to fail because it wasn't sufficiently integrated. It wasn't sufficiently integrated, yeah. What do you think, Kerry? I, I haven't had a chance to play with it, quite honestly. I, I find it interesting um, how much it looks like Facebook. Uh, I wonder if they did that on purpose. Oh, yeah. And um, I just wish Google would hurry up and come up with some um, something video conferency because um, Skype stays are numbered because Microsoft owns it and they're going to integrate it into Link. Well, they've got Hangout, which is um, built into Plus right there. Does that do video conferencing? It does. Yeah. And um, oh, well, well, why aren't we using that? I uh, was actually planning to do it, but I wasn't sure that everyone who might want to participate online would have would have, would have uh, Hangout or have a Google Plus account. So, okay. So I think Julie may not have, so it would have excluded her. But certainly, after we finish the podcast, let's um, let's uh, try Hangout. But given can you record from it? No, at this stage, no. Well, you can't. Re- well, no. No, no. Not even using stereo. Um, oh. uh, what's it called? Stereo mix. 
Oh, there, there are ways around. You can record anything, as you yeah. imagine, but uh, out of the box, it's not a record button. Okay. Uh, you can have up to 10 people in a simultaneous video conference, and it's a bit like BC in the sense that the person who's talking is brought to the, the their video is brought forward. And also you can, at the moment, the only collaboration element is to, you can all watch a YouTube video and, and sort of have a conversation around it. One oh, okay. at a time. Yeah, one at a time. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's the way we usually talk. <laughs> really? <laughs> you might. Unless you're on the East Coast of the States. Yeah. Yeah. Depends if you've got your hand up or not, or if you've left the room. Or and they've got Google Huddle, Huddles, which are at the moment on Android devices, mm-hmm. uh, but that allows you to have group uh, chat. Okay. So it does have a component, but it's certainly not a it's not a classroom based kind of it's just a it's a talk over, it's a talk test. Anybody can okay. talk and anybody can get into it. Okay. <coughs> does anybody know if Skype stays are numbered now that um now that Microsoft owns it and is integrating it into Link? What is Link? I don't know Link. L Y N C. It's relatively new. It integrates into their whole um, Connect thing, where you know you have the the in-house um, sort of um, instant message thing. So you're you're emailing somebody, or um, you're talking to somebody on your little Microsoft instant message in your office, and you decide you want to have um, a video meeting. You pop link, and up you go. Um, but you can also create um, persistent classrooms and all that. We're going to trial it as um, a live classroom um, at the organization I work at. Okay. Yeah. Simply because they've put the investment into links, so they want to leverage that. Yeah. Hmm. Well, I guess we don't know the answer to your question, but it's, I'd say it's a fair bet. Well, we, we, we hope that um, you know Microsoft doesn't do to Skype what Blackboard's doing to Illuminate. But uh, we'll Microsoft see. ever give people for free? They haven't. They've never. They've always locked us into. My, you know, if oh, I want to read something. What about hot, What about Hotmail? What about Hotmail? Okay, Hotmail. What about it? It's free. Oh, it was free with all the spam, etc. What about uh, Microsoft video. Messenger? MSN. MSN. Yeah, Free. Full of Free. Yeah, but hmm. laden with ads. And oh, is Google any different? <laughs> yeah. So they do do free. What about um, Microsoft Live and Sky? What's one you've got using That's it? That's not free. It's not free, but there's quite a bit of that that is free. You can you can get. What about um, uh, Docs? What is it? Docs.com. Don't know. That's a Microsoft product that, that Facebook has integrated, uh, and that's that's Stephen been ingesting. <laughs> <laughs> He's joined up with Facebook. So no, I just read and gadget. Read a lot of blogs. Oh, well, apart from rogue school. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know. I think one of the th- the trouble for Microsoft actually is it does have uh, has done a lot of significant things in both the mobile space. Uh, the gaming space and the uh, cloud space, but people don't give them credit because they're like everyone thinks that they're the they're the history, they're the past, yeah. they're the they're the they're the IBM of today. Uh-huh. So they they have trouble getting traction. It's a bit like the Zoom. Everyone loves to think it's the dead weight of history, but uh, um, 
you know, they, 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 they are, their innovations are often unappreciated or perhaps not given the merit that they deserve. But nevertheless, you know, the market at the end of the day is what, uh, what decides what sinks and what falls. You know? Isn't this interesting? I've got a message on my screen that says, HTTP docs.com. Sorry, you need to sign into Facebook in order to do that. That's right. I hate that. Yeah. I have it's to sign into Facebook. A lot more. I have to sign into Facebook in order to even look at something that's on the web. Yeah, yeah. and uh, that's Make right. Make that the future. That's where the internet's becoming divided. Mm. Yeah. So, essentially, Microsoft has been bought out by Facebook. That's what I'm thinking. I think Microsoft has died, and it's actually been it's been kept alive by Facebook's engine. Well, I think Microsoft's uh, been play, you know they who do they see as their enemies at the moment or their main competitors, and it's probably Apple and uh, Google. So, you know they've got Bing. So so Facebook. Is, uh, <laughs> <laughs> everyone laugh What a crappy search engine! My <laughs> God, poor poor Bing Crosby. He must be turning over. Oh, nice work. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's not a, that's not a search engine. That's a, a marketing engine. Oh well, is Google any different? I mean, don't, I mean, don't get me wrong. I'm not. I'm trying to be pro Microsoft here. I'm just being a little bit devil's advocate to say that, you know, they, they're there and they've thrown a lot of money in a lot of things and they've actually got some good things, but us, the technorati and the, uh, uh, the, the, the Silicon Valley-inspired uh, geek, Uber geeks, don't give Microsoft any street cred. Hey, I love Microsoft. I remember I remember black screens with green text. But one thing that pees me off is they need to fall in line on web standards and they need to do it quick. Mm, I don't. I'm I'm just I'm just over them setting their own standards, but having bashed them, um it seems to me that Microsoft gets spanked for a lot of things that Apple does and gets praised for. And I just don't understand the religion of, of Apple and the I, I just don't get it, quite I think frankly. That's I really don't. I agree with you entirely on that front, Kerry. I think that's just Apple's cool and Microsoft isn't. Well, they did that in their ads for those, those you know, the, 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 the Microsoft. What was, what was those ads, the whole ads they ran between the, the Microsoft versus the Apple guy? I'm a PC. Are you a PC or, yeah? <laughs> yeah, I'm a PC and you're a Mac. Or I'm a Mac and you're a PC. And it was a, the suit versus the T-shirt. Yeah, and can we, st- you know, it's it's all about polarizing, and yeah. that's worked really effectively in the U.S. to the point where now nobody trusts each other. So they're constantly getting screwed over, and they think helping their fellow man is socialism. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I, I can't think of any worse attitude for uh, an Internet where we want to share things freely and openly than polarizing people because of the effing label on their technology. Can we get over it, please? Yeah. <laughs> I like the way you're thinking, Kerry. So no one who uses Moodle should be considered a bad person. No. It's how you use it. God, I've done some amazing stuff with Moodle, but it didn't fall into line of anything of standardised use of Moodle. You know, well, I'm setting up a Moodle user group, or actually what I'm trying to set up, they asked me to set up a Moodle user group. Who's that? Um, um, the organization I work for, um, because they want to get more people involved in e-learning. They want to teach trainers how to use Moodle, and they um, and I'm turning the focus in, on 
e-learning, not just Moodle, because I don't want Moodle to be the Kleenex. I don't want them to say, we've thrown some PDFs up, we've picked up a quiz, we've got e-learning. So I really want to turn it into a community of practice around e-learning and not just make it a Moodle user group. And I think that's, I think that's important. Uh, as you say, otherwise the tool becomes everything. And labeling people or making people feel badly because they're using Moodle, I, um, and I, I just don't see it. I see, I see people being e, you know, getting into e-learning, not getting into Moodle, I think is the point I'm trying to make here. Yeah, that's right. I just want to add, when you were asking about Skype, it reminded me of something else I heard at the conference yesterday, and it's uh, Wodonga TAFE has installed big blue button on their oh, servers and are trialing it in you know the context of looking for a replacement to illuminate. What do they think of it? Because I've tried it and I didn't think it was quite out of the oven yet. Well, <laughs> from what they told me today, I, I concluded the same thing, but they're pretty happy with it, and but it doesn't record yet. <laughs> God, well, what's the usual right? Yeah, so, yeah. But, you know, it's... It's a start, because I thought for the moment that Blackboard took over Illuminate, I thought, here's the time, mm. the space for an open source tool to move into the the void or the gap, and so I just thought that was interesting. What about WYSIQ? <laughs> well, I think that's probably around the same state of development. Maybe, I don't know. The last time I looked, they were about the same as each other. Mm. I think the challenge in that space is finding patent or, or patent owning cumbered codex that you can use that's a genuinely open source. And I, and I know Google's been playing around this and hence their move with HTML5 and um, their move to what's the what's the codec they're using in video? Um, help me carry. Um, H2S4. No, no. No, that's, that's Apple. No, what's it called? Anyway, I'll, it's escaped me for the moment, but it's supposedly a paid and unencumbered encumbered uh, codec and it, it is a challenge to get a, a codec that is really efficient uh, and effective um, that's that's not even that's, that's, that's generally open source is a challenge what about Dim Dim? I think it's gone Dim Dim's gone they were bought up oh, they were bought out by Illuminate that's right Blackboard oh were they? yeah Oh, God, wow. I remember that. Web, Dim Dim? Web, WebM video codec for HTML5 video, that, is that the one? That's the one, yep, absolutely. Thanks, Kerry. What, do you think what about the open source one? Like, was it Og Vorbis or is that audio? That's, that's audio. audio. Yeah. That's audio, yeah. I think the video, yeah, that's right. The video is the sort of equivalent of that that you're talking about, Web, WebM. Yeah, there is proprietal, fairly cheap proprietal web conferencing facilities, that, but they're more like a... They're more like an MSN chat facility, which you can grow into multiple um, um, users, like Video Whisper. There's one. It only costs about $150. You can add it to your server. You can run it on any server, any PHP server. There's, a, there's some gaming ones um, if you just yeah. want audio, but the thing is uh, people don't want just want audio. They, they want the whole box and dice. Yeah, no, this is video. This is video as well. It's video. It's a sort of a, it's an online collaborative room. It interfaces with ELG as well, which is quite interesting because that's an open source. That is. Yeah, video whisper. It's not been long out. But I'm thinking, Kerry, is communities of practice really the mechanism by which to, to sort of coin in relation to what you're trying to do? Yep. I, I thought of that was more of a sort of a constructivist kind of mode of 
where the learner's positive has been democratically involved in the learning process, but there's still some sense of um, an interventionist facilitator. That's what I always find with the communities of practice, whereas we don't, and truly, we don't really, we don't actually operate like that anymore, I don't think. I think we're more fragmented or, or you know, we, it, it's difficult, I think, to, particularly in online contexts, for communities of practice to exist. Well, we're, we've got two offices in Adelaide, so once a month we're going to have face-to-face meetings. This is what I'm planning anyway. And then um, connect the rest of the time um, online in a, in a Moodle course because I want them to eat the dog food initially. Um, but I, I, want to, I want to encourage them to try things like Digo bookmarking. I'm going to... Um, Suggest they all sign up for an account there, and um, you know, stream in some bookmarks that way, and and just slowly get them out to professional development outside the walls. But um, all the research I've done in terms of professional development, it's all about that ongoing community and empowering people within the community. And I really want to look at people because some of these are trainers that have 20 years experience, and some of them are good at what they do. So I want to see if it would work talking about what works in their classrooms, what works with learners, what they like to do, and then either translating that online or, um, you know, augmenting it um, online. Because I want to learn with them. I don't want to. I don't want to be the sage on the stage. And um, I think it's interesting because one of the managers um, asked me a question um, last week about Moodle, and I said, "Well, I don't know, but I'll be happy to find out for you." And they were kind of taken aback that I actually, um, you know, I'm in education, and I admitted I didn't know something. Well, actually, that was the best tweet for Moodle Moot was the moving from the sage on the stage to the meddler in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I thought it was great. There's a really, really good paper, uh, a research paper that's associated with that. How do we unlearn education? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to. I'm still trying to. I'm trying to hear what the what what it is that you're trying to solve. Um, all right. What I'm trying to solve is um, I'm trying actually trying to get people into e-learning. But do they have the same? Do they have the same point of inquiry? Because I don't think any. I've I found that. That and having, they want to that, learn. They want to learn. You know, not not dismissing that. That's that's principle to the core of it. But do they themselves have a sense that something is missing that they're trying to solve? Yes. And if it uh, if 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 that was the only premise that you took to them, in the context of the of the formation of the community of practice, if if you want to call it that way. That perhaps is the major point of enrolment that I found works because thank I've, you. Well, you know that's in. I'm just reflecting on a, an inc, uh, not an incident, but a, a point when I, I I arrived to a very volatile situation with 60 kids, they're all street kids, and I had to think about what are we trying to solve here. And I spoke at length with the, the community facilitator. She said, "I want these kids." to have investment in understanding how to solve not their education issues but their life issues. And I want this education experience with you to be that. Um, I want you to be the catalyst for that change. And I said, well, that's probably one of the most, you know, um, foresight of sort of 
things I've ever heard in my life because I've never heard that. I'm usually being instructed to run this program under this funding, under this budget, to do this in this certain way, and this will be the output and our objective and outcome. But she'd sort of reversed it on the head. So I'm just wondering whether it's possible to arrive to their inquiry of what they want to solve rather than, you know, just getting into e-learning or, you know what I mean, yeah, you know, I, I appreciate that. Thank you, because um, that's what I want to try to do with the face-to-face -face sessions. Is I actually want to get everybody talking. Yeah. And um, I've 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 set up a survey initially just to ask people what their interests are in terms of Moodle and e-learning, and also find out about their experiences as trainers, what they like to do online, what they like to work with, so that I, I have some point of reference where everybody's at. That's your role, but in terms of what are they trying to solve as an organisation? What are they trying to, by, by your role being there, what are they trying to make an they're, they're, they're trying to build e-learning, so they want, to do, they want to bring more of their courses online. They've got an RTO component to them. Is that, and, is that, and, to, solve, is that to solve a monetary issue or a connection issue or learner? Um, I think it's without without revealing too much obviously proprietary yeah. information. Um, I, I I think I think it's about carving a niche in some ways, and um, I think more. But more importantly, I think they they're very passionate about the subject matter they have. They they've developed um, a special you know a sort of an area of speciality around it and they've got some some really passionate talented people there and they want to extend their influence and i think they see um at least doing blended learning um as an option so yeah i really i can't talk much more about it obviously no. because it's part of their business plan but um they're also looking at it for um internal learning and they really see the benefits in um in using um, e-learning to um, do away with some of the more repetitive training sure. that they have to do with people in terms of software and inductions. and So it's, it's a really great atmosphere to be in. Um, as me, um, because <laughs> there's there's a great mix of people, and um, I think it's it's going to be interesting times for me. And I'll um, I'll be able to apply what I'm studying in my um, yeah, my grad certainly learning to it. So I'm I'm happy with this. That's it. Yeah, that was the second part of what I was going to say because I asked you that question on Twitter, didn't I? Why, yeah. Why was yeah. It was such. High digital literacy go backwards as I saw it, but not really. I'm, you know, I was being facetious. But go be be engaged in a grad cert for that principle. But I can see why you're doing it. It's a discipline. It's not necessarily a um, it's not necessarily a qual. And the the idea behind a community of practice, I often see that people people coin community of practice because they think that it can be a creative and informal way of you know creating a conversation around in a normally you know judicious, hierarchical kind of work environment. It's almost like a break in which they've got permissions to uh, let down their guard and, and come up with new ideas. But I always wonder, I don't often hear in communities of practice where the problem lies or what they're trying to solve. It, it just simply is a, an, an exercise in, or it's an infrastructure that's coined to you to... Um, particularly in education, it seems to be. 
Type an interlude. Oh, uh, what should we do? Um, oh, we'll have community practice. <laughs> <laughs> well, I look forward to um, to getting you know, seeking advice from all of you and um, sharing sharing how um, we're going in future. I'd, just, I'd like it if you could, in the survey, just ask the question of the participants as to what it is that they would like to see resolved or what they'd like to 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 um, solve. I think that's a fantastic idea. Thank you. Well, on that uh, gracious note, I think we should wrap the podcast up. We're at the uh, over the one hour mark, I think, according to my MP3 player, we're at uh, one hour, 14 minutes. So. Well, by the time we cut the 14 minutes out that I was talking about, yep, that sounds <laughs> Well, I'd like to thank everyone for their participation, and particularly to you, Kerry, who have come online. That's mm. uh, fabulous. Thank you. I wish I were there with you all. Indeed. Yeah. We will, we will wow, at some point. In spirit. Indeed. And we will meet each other for lunch on Thursday. I'm looking forward to it. Good. We haven't worked out where, but we'll sort it later. That's it. <laughs> well, the German club does an awful nice, um, nice sausage platter. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That's so good. <laughs> the Wiesburst is very nice. <laughs> Sauerkraut. Oh, it's beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah.